Hello, and welcome to the All Saints Podcast. We'll be coming to you weekly, and we'll start off by bringing you the sermon from the 10 a.m. service on Sunday mornings. That way, if you're traveling, or you miss the service on Sunday morning for whatever reason, or even if you just want to listen to it again, you can have it delivered right to your mobile device. To subscribe to episodes so they arrive automatically, you can click the subscribe button in your podcast app on your phone, tablet, or laptop. And now, the 10 a.m. sermon from December 15th, 2019, with Father B.J. Burriker. Jesus said, The blind receive their sight, the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning and a blessed advent to you all. Good uh, morning. Morning. Thank you. <laughs> um, as I mentioned before, we're lighting this morning the rose-colored candle. It's the candle of joy. Um, advent is a season a lot like Lent. In fact, it's often called the Little Lent. Um, it's a time of prayer, of fasting, of penance, of giving charitably, and all of this. And sometimes it can have that feeling of sin and sorrow and preparation and all of that, today's a great Sunday because we light the rose candle. We light one about joy. And we see joy throughout our readings, especially in the psalm and in Isaiah. And it's in the gospel reading, but perhaps not as evident as in some of the other ones. And so I want us to talk this morning about what happens in the gospel and see how it leads us towards joy throughout the rest of the morning. But before we get to that, I want you to think about a time when you had great expectations for something. When you were awaiting something that was about to happen, and you felt you had all the information you needed, and you knew what to expect. Maybe you were applying for a new job, and you read the job description, you knew what you were getting yourself into, and so you knew what to expect on day one. Or maybe you're getting a new boss, and you read his or her bio. And so you have a good feeling that you know this boss's management style. Or when you got married, I'm sure we all knew exactly what we were getting into on day one of marriage, right? <laughs> or having kids. I love it. People are, are you ready for your baby? No, I'm not ready. <laughs> right? Or perhaps it's a holiday. You've been talking to your family. You're getting ready to go home for the holidays and you know what to expect. Or you bought a brand new car and you have high expectations for that. Or that perfect date back in high school or a movie, or a book. We have Star Wars coming out this week. High hopes for that one? I'm gonna go see, I have, I have expectations. Now my question for you on this is with the expectations you had, did reality meet those expectations? Did it exceed the expectations? Or did it fail to live up to your expectations? I don't know about you, but a lot of times, especially when I'm excited about something, Reality doesn't meet my expectations. I thought it was going to be this, and it seems to have undershot things. But what I want to talk about today is one where the expectations are far too low. And I want to do this by looking at John the Baptist this morning in our Gospel reading. John sends messengers to Jesus, saying, Are you the one who is to come? Or are we supposed to expect somebody else and wait for another I don't know about you, but that seems like an odd question for John, of all people, to ask. Doesn't John know better? 
doesn't he know that Jesus is the Messiah? I mean, he is Jesus' second cousin, after all. Certainly he would know. And last week, if you remember from our reading then, we read about John's mission. His whole mission was to preach repentance and prepare people for the coming of Jesus. He baptized them for <coughs> repentance, and he basically says, my entire work and my message is to prepare for Jesus' work and message. He then baptizes people, and when he's baptizing, he says, my baptism isn't as good as the person who's about to come. I baptize you with water, but the one who's going to come is more powerful and will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Then when he's baptizing Jesus, he says, look, I'm not worthy to even carry your sandals. It makes more sense for you to baptize me than the other way around. What has happened since last week that John doesn't get it anymore? Is he just one of the other knuckleheads throughout that we see throughout the Bible, and like me, or is there something else going on? I think there's two reasons why John may be experiencing a little bit of doubt. One, John's in prison. That's an odd place to be, to be preparing people for the coming of Jesus. He's been faithfully preaching about what he was supposed to do. He's literally done what God has asked him to do. He's telling people to repent of their sins, to get ready for the Messiah, and people are doing it. There are hundreds of people coming to John to be baptized, and they're hearing about what Jesus is going to do. And what happens as a result? John gets arrested. How is that possible? Can't you just see John in jail going, I did what you wanted. Why am I here? Of all places, how am I supposed to prepare people for the coming of Jesus while I'm sitting in a jail cell? This doesn't seem right. And then secondly, I think it more importantly, Jesus doesn't seem to match John's expectations for what the Messiah is supposed to be. From what he preached, which we saw him do last Sunday, John seems to think that the Messiah is all about judgment. To the religious leaders and the elites, he says, one who is more powerful than me is coming, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he's going to clear the threshing floor. He'll gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. I want to hear Ed preach that <laughs> And then I want to see how many come back the next week. <laughs> He seems to expect the Christ, the Messiah, to show up with power and judgment to destroy all the oppressive religious leaders who've twisted God's word for their own benefit at the expense of the poor and the weak and the outcast. But that's not what Jesus does. He doesn't meet John's expectations. And so John seems to experience a bit of doubt. Now, at the time, there were lots of different expectations for what the Messiah might be. It seems like everybody had their own theories. Probably the most predominant one is that the Messiah would be this great, powerful, militant king who would rush into Jerusalem, kick out the evil Romans, defeat the enemies of God, and establish a new throne for David and his descendants forever. That would be pretty awesome. Other people thought the Messiah might be a great high priest who would come and act as a mediator between God and the people. 
and he'd restore a right relationship between God and sinful humanity, <clears throat> fixing the sacrificial system so people could come and pray and worship without being ripped off. Other people thought that the Messiah would be a great prophet who would powerfully tell people the will of God to get right, to put their, act, you know, their lives back in order, to get rid of the rulers and the elites and get them to repent and then tear down and establish better rulers, better systems, so that things would be great. There were more, certainly, other theories about what the Messiah would be, but Jesus doesn't seem to fit into any of these boxes. There were lots of expectations about what the Messiah would be, but whatever people expected of the Messiah, nobody expected Jesus. Not a single person expected what they got. And because Jesus doesn't meet John's expectations, John comes across to me as disappointed and confused and doubtful, and it's tough to blame him. In fact, Jesus doesn't. We all have expectations for what we want Jesus to be, for who we want God to be. Many of us want him to be a genie, to grant our every wish. Help me through the test. Help me win the lottery. Help me get the new car, the better job, the happy family. Please let my kids sleep through the night. <laughs> Many of us want him to be the ideal Democrat or the ideal Republican. He's neither one of those. Other people want him to be a divine doctor that's going to fix all of your ills inside and out and give you peace and health and healing. Other people want him to be like the deistic cosmic watchmaker. He makes the watch, he winds it up, and then he puts it on the shelf and stands back. Because then I don't have to answer to that guy. And he doesn't make any demands of my life. He's just there when I need him. We all want Jesus to meet our expectations, don't we? And when we don't get what we want or what we expect Jesus to be, don't we end up disappointed, confused, and perhaps doubtful, just like John? But Jesus is far greater than anything we could ever expect or want him to be. And he far exceeds John's expectations. And because of that, Jesus calls all of his attention. When the messengers show up to Jesus, and they say, are we supposed to wait for somebody else, or are you it? Jesus, like normal, doesn't give them a yes or no answer. He says, go back and focus on what you've seen and what you've heard. Tell John about my miracles. Tell John about my servants. Tell John about what you've seen. He'll get it. And if you just look at the chapters leading up to where we are in Matthew, chapters like 4 through 11, and just see what John, uh, Jesus does there, it's pretty cool. Let's start with his teaching. What have we heard Jesus do? The Sermon on the Mount. Greatest sermon of all time we get in these few chapters. You get the Beatitudes. You get the Lord's Prayer. You get a better understanding of the law. You get the importance of giving, of prayer, of fasting. You hear Jesus say, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear because God knows and he loves you more than birds and flowers. You get the golden rule. You get him to say, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. He then commissions his disciples to follow in his footsteps, to preach the gospel and to do great miracles. He teaches them along the way that persecutions are going to come, but they're not forgotten. God is still with them. 
and not a single hair will fall from their head without their father's notice. He then goes on to heal all sorts of ailments and diseases. He touches a leper, and that story gets me every single time. He doesn't heal the leper, he touches the sore-infested skin of this leper. He heals a paralyzed servant without even going to the servant's house. Go home, Centurion, go find him well. He casts out demons. He heals a paralyzed man who is lowered through the thatched roof all the way down. And not only heals him, but says, your sins are forgiven. He raises a girl from the dead. He heals a woman of a 12-year hemorrhage. And he gives two men who are blind back their sight. And then to cap it all off as if none of that was good, he yells at a storm and it stops. Try that sometime, the neighbors will love you. This is a Messiah who shows up, and rather than call down fire and brimstone, he shows compassion, love, and mercy to hurting and neglected people. Rather than letting the elites off the hook, he calls them to an even higher standard of holiness, righteousness, fairness, and goodness. Rather than condemn people for their sins, he forgives them. And if we look all the way to the end of the book of Matthew, we encounter that cross. And we see Jesus die for people who needed him, who were imperfect, who were unloving. And nobody expected that. Not from the Messiah. Jesus doesn't fit nice and neatly into any box. We can't pigeonhole him. He's not what we've expected. He's so, so much better than we expected. He defeats death, an enemy far greater than Rome ever was. He heals us of our sin, a disease far greater than any cancer that struck anybody. He instills justice far better than any political party ever can or will do. And he grants us not what we want, but what we actually need, which I'm too often too blind to even know what that is. And he gives peace that far passes our human understanding. He is so much greater so much more loving, so much more gracious, compassionate, just, holy, powerful, and good than anything we could ever expect or ever want. So let us see what Jesus has really done, just like Jesus calls John to do. Let us hear what he really says and learn who he really is by reading about him in sacred scripture, by spending time with him every day in prayer, by seeing him at work in our everyday lives because he lives today and is still doing great and marvelous things. Let's live up to his expectations rather than expecting him to live up to ours. Let's obey his teachings and commands, devote ourselves to him alone, and follow his example of love and compassion towards all people. And then because today is a day of joy, Gaudete Sunday, where we light the rose candle, let us rejoice, because Christ has come into the world, and he is coming again. Because Jesus has loved us, and has had compassion towards us. Because he died that our sins might be forgiven, and then rose again so that we might live forever. Let us rejoice, because he is the one who is to come, and we don't need to wait for anyone else ever again.
Jesus is so far greater than anything we ever could have expected. And for that we say, thanks be to God, and amen. amen. Thank you again for listening to the All Saints Podcast. I hope you'll download future episodes. You can subscribe and have the episode delivered automatically each week by going to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and clicking subscribe. I hope you have a great week. God bless.